Let's turn over to Joshua chapter 1. This is where I started last night. I read these verses this morning, but I'm going to continue again here tonight. I'm teaching a series on how you can be positive in a negative world or how to operate in faith when it seems like everybody else is in unbelief or how you can be victorious when everybody else around you is defeated or you could just keep putting titles on this and apply it to your situation. But it's how to overcome when everybody else is being overcome. And I tell you, this is important. Last night, I shared some scriptures out of Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, where it says that because iniquity abounds, the love of many will wax cold. And I believe that we are living in a time where iniquity is abounding. Certainly in my lifetime, it's the most uh, outward and the most blatant, the most bold, brash Uh, wickedness has been in my lifetime. And because of this, the love of many people is waxing cold. We were having a board meeting with our uh, Canadian people here. They're here and we had a board meeting this afternoon and I was asking some questions about the spiritual climate of um, Canada. And one of the things that they were saying was that people aren't satisfied. They aren't being ministered to, but they're hungry and they know it. They know they aren't getting what they need. And you know what? I had to tell them that in the United States, basically, of course, the people that are here, you are hungry and you came and you're looking for God to do something. This isn't the nod to God crowd. Amen. Those are the ones that only go on Sunday morning. You're the ones that came and you're hungry. But as a whole, the body of Christ in the United States doesn't even know that they're missing something. They're satisfied or they're satisfied being dissatisfied. And that's a terrible thing. And it's happened. I I would have to say that the love of the majority of the body of Christ in the United States has waxed cold. When I go to other places, you know, I'm not saying this to be critical or anything, but I'm just trying to put things into their proper perspective. We go overseas and you travel overseas and people, it's amazing the hunger and the desire that they have for the things of God. We are seeing miracles happen. We are seeing people that will walk miles and miles and miles to come to a meeting. They'll sit in a place that's not air conditioned and they'll go through all kinds of hardship. But in America, boy, if the pews aren't just right, we've gotten into this user-friendly type of Christianity to where it's only a 20-minute sermonette. Sermonettes make Christianettes. But you have a little 10-minute platform and they get up and say a little inspirational thing. Most, most churches today relate, uh, has degraded to just nothing but a little positive, uh, talk, uh, like a, uh, what do you call them? A motivational speaker. They just come and make you feel good, but they don't give you enough for you to get set free and stuff. And the sad thing is this is what people want. They want something that's convenient. Give me something in five minutes so I can get back to being carnal. And sad to say, that's where the body of Christ is. And the scripture says it happens because of love. I mean, because iniquity has abounded, the love of many has waxed cold. And we don't have as much fire and people seeking after God, it seems to me like, in the people that I minister to as what we've had in past days. And it's because iniquity abounds. And so this is what the scripture says will happen. You have to do something to keep that from happening to you. And then this morning... I started talking from, um, again, these verses, but I also used John chapter 14, 
where the Lord says, let not your heart be troubled. And this was during a crisis time, not only in their life, but probably one of the worst crisis times in the history of the world. In between the arrest and then the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, even his followers weren't going to understand what was happening. It looked like they had lost. If there was ever a good opportunity to be depressed and discouraged, it would have been during that period of time. And yet Jesus started his instructions to them by saying, don't let your heart be troubled. Most people today would think that's unreasonable. Most people today just look at things as like I'm only human and you're trying to get me to deny how I feel. I don't deny that I am part human. I don't deny that I have feelings like everybody else, but I do deny that that's all there is to me. I am born again and there is a new part of me and praise God, I am in denial. I am denying that I am only human and that I have to have things just like everybody else does. I have now been born again and the Spirit of God lives on the inside of me and I ought to get supernatural results. And so that's what I was talking about this morning, that the Lord would be unjust to give you a command to not let your heart be troubled if you couldn't do it. He told us to do it, so we can do it. So the very first thing you got to do is to change your expectations. Instead of just expecting to be defeated and discouraged and have problems like everybody else. You ought to go to expecting a miracle life. You ought to go to looking for God to do something. You ought to expect for things to work differently from you, for you. Amen? And I know some of you are thinking, oh, you're getting people's hopes up. Don't get their hopes up. That's the way that the doctors are. They don't want you to get their hopes up because they're afraid of getting sued for a liability issue or something. So they'll give you the worst possible uh, scenario. And you know what? There's a lot of people that think that's the way to approach life is believe for the worst. And then if something better happens, it'll just be, you know, it'll be like icing on the cake. It'll be better. No, I'm telling you, you should get your hopes up. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of th- things not seen. And one reason that people aren't experiencing more victory in their life is because they're shooting at nothing and they're hitting it every time. Man, you ought to shoot for the stars. And if you miss, then you hit the moon. That's better than most people do. But if you shoot at nothing, you're going to get it every time. And there's a lot of people that are shooting at nothing and expecting nothing. I was just talking to a pastor about healing. And as we were discussing healing, he says, Now, if I was to say that, people would start getting their hopes up. Somebody's not going to get healed. And then they would have to deal with disappointment. And you know what? It's true. There are going to be some people that don't receive healing and I don't know an easy way to deal with that. But you know what? I think it's good that people get their hopes up and you will run the risk of failure. But I would rather get my hopes up, believe God and run the risk of failure than to do nothing and never be disappointed. Man, yes, it's risky. It's risky trusting God. It's risky believing that God wants you to prosper and be above only and not beneath. But you know, I pointed this out to him also. I said, you can say what you want to. And I understand because I've had to deal with people who don't see healing come to pass. And it is hard to deal with. And I'm not uncompassionate towards people like that. And I said, you know, I was talking to Oral Roberts this last uh, summer. We had the opportunity to go to his home and somebody asked him this exact question. It says, Brother Roberts, what do you say to people who believe for healing and it didn't work and somebody died? And he says, there isn't anything to say to them. 
He says, there isn't any good way to minister to that. He says, that's one of the things that had hurt him and it had nearly stopped him. He said, I've thought about quitting ministry many times because of that very thing. But he said, the Lord just spoke to him and he says, Orabite, this is what I called you to do. And if you minister the word and if only one person gets healed, then that's one more person than would have been healed. Says, you just keep preaching the word. And anyway, I was telling this pastor, he was saying, people will be disappointed. They'll get their hopes up and be disappointed. And I said, you can say what you want to. And I understand the reasons that you feel the way that you feel. But I said, you can look at the people who have seen great miracles happen in their lives and through their ministries. And every one of them is radical. Every one of them doesn't worry about whether this is going to offend somebody. They tell people the truth and they get people's hopes up. And I said, there are people who are disappointed and there are people who are mad at them and thinking that you're condemning me. But I said, you look at the people who spend so much time dealing with all of the exceptions and saying, now this could happen. And they spend so much time explaining everything away and they don't encourage faith in people and they don't see miracles happen. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. But I'm saying that you've got to go for it. God wants you to live a victorious life. He wouldn't have commanded you to be this way if it wasn't possible. And so change your expectations and go to believing God for miracles and go to believing God to move mightily in your life. Let me read some of these verses again in Joshua chapter 1 in verse 6. He said, be strong and of a good courage for unto this people... Shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And right in the midst of this, we also read verse 9, which reinforces this again. Be strong and very courageous. Be not afraid. Be not dismayed. In the very midst of all of these commands, he says in verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Then when? Then when you have meditated in it day and night to observe, to do according to all of it. So the point that I want to make tonight as we start talking about how you can be positive in a negative world, how you can be victorious when other people are failing, how you can operate in faith when other people are having unbelief overwhelm them, I tell you, one of the most foundational things that you just cannot get around is that you are going to have to let the Word of God dominate your life. In the midst of all of these instructions, he says, this book of the law. And at this time, there was only the five books, the first five books of the Bible written. But now we have the entire Bible. I believe that we can say it this way, that the Word of God is going to have to, you are going to have to meditate in it day and night. You know, that just about leaves no time for anything else. If you're meditating in the Word day and night, then you are going to have to be dominated and controlled by the Word of God is what he's saying. You could say it this way, that if you want to overcome the negativeness of this world, I believe that it can only be done through having a strong relationship with Jesus. This is one of the things that I teach in our school over and over. Every thing that we teach, it all comes back to relationship. I teach them on how to last in ministry. 
And I've got about five or six pages of notes. But you know what? I tell them the first thing is have a strong relationship with God. And if you had a strong relationship with God, you can throw the rest of the notes away. Because God will teach you what you need to know. But, you know, here's some things that you need to do. You need to associate with other people. And I talk about other things. But really, relationship with God is the number one thing that keeps you on track. When we talk about ministering healing to other people, the scripture says Jesus was moved with compassion. You can't give away what you don't have. And if you don't have the compassion of God flowing in you, you will never be able to minister healing to other people. So your relationship with God is really the number one thing that will release the supernatural power of God. And you could just go on through. In finances, the number one thing that causes prosperity to work is when you really know the Lord and you trust him. And you trust him so much that when he says, give me 10%, you say, sure. You trust him. It comes on a relationship. It's like a little kid. You know, we've been watching our granddaughter play in the swimming pool. And you see kids that, you know, the parent says, jump and I'll catch you. And the kid's reaction, the first reaction is, I don't want to jump. What if you don't catch me? But that kid will trust their parent and they'll go ahead and jump because they trust the parents. You know why you take the step of faith and go ahead and give is because you trust that promise. And let me just turn around and say it this way, that if you aren't giving and you say, oh, well, I trust God with all of my heart, but you don't understand we're in an economic crisis and a recession and I can't give. I need this money. You can say that however you want to, but what you're really saying is I can't trust God. Thank you for that thunderous silence. I know some of you, you're condemned by that. I don't mean to condemn you. I mean it to open up your eyes, but that's the bottom line. You know, if I, if I, could, if I had the resources and if I said, I promise every person, if you put $10 in the offering, you come up here and I'll give you 100 If I had the resources to tell you and give you my word that I would do that, you would be absolutely stupid not to give. I don't care if you needed that $10. It would be to your advantage to punch your neighbor and say, hey, give me $10 and I'll pay you back $15 right after I get that hundred from him. It'd be to your advantage to do whatever. If you really believe that what I said was true, you would give. If you really believe that God says when you give, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. If you truly believe that, you would give. If you aren't giving because you say, but I'm in a financial crunch and I need it. You can say it any way you want to, but the bottom line is you do not trust the word of God. Thank you for that one amen. Maybe if I just say this over a hundred times, I could maybe get a few more amens out of it. But that's the truth. And I know some of you, no, you don't understand. No, it's the truth. If you really believed God, you would do what he said. The kid that won't jump. Because, of course, they're naturally afraid of going under the water. But the parent has said, I'll catch you. If they don't jump, you can say what you want to. But that kid does not trust their parent's word. That's just the way that it is. You can't have a relationship with God if you don't trust what he said. Some people don't connect these dots. But from my perspective, you cannot truly 
truly have a strong relationship with God without having a strong relationship with the Word of God. This is how He reveals Himself to us. And this is the reason that what He's saying, be strong and have a good courage. Be not afraid. Be not dismayed. Right in the very midst of it, He says, don't forget the book of the law. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night. Day and night. I know that there's people sitting right here in this room who say, oh, I love God with all of my heart, but you don't meditate in the word day and night, which is what he commanded us to do. And it says then, when you've meditated in the word day and night, then, then means after you've done what he said, you will make your way prosperous. I bet you that there's people here, I've met people that came from nearly every state in the United States at this meeting that came and you're wanting to receive, you're needing a miracle touch from God, you're wanting something and you will go to great lengths to travel, to have someone pray for you. But do you spend time in the word day and night? Some of you do, but there's a lot of people in here that are wanting this prosperity. You're wanting whatever you do to prosper but you aren't doing what it says causes that prosperity. You know, if you've watched my television programs this week, I'm teaching on what I call a sure foundation. And one of the points that I've made that the Lord used a seed to illustrate how the Word of God works. The Word of God is like a seed in the sense that in this natural world, every living thing that exists in the world operates off of seeds. Grass, plants, trees, animals, people, everything comes from a seed. You don't have anything that's alive that didn't have a seed. And likewise, every good thing that God does in his kingdom comes from a seed. And Mark chapter 4, I believe it's verse 14, says the sower sows the word. He's talking about that the word is a seed. First Peter chapter 1 verse 23 says you are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God that lives and abides forever. The word of God is a seed. You would think a person crazy who just prayed over ground and prayed that they'd have tomatoes but never sowed a seed for it. It doesn't matter if you water it, if you fertilize it, if you didn't plant tomatoes, you won't get tomatoes unless you go to the store and buy those tomatoes from somebody else who planted a seed. All tomatoes that exist came from a seed. All people that exist came from a seed. And in the spiritual realm, every healing, every miracle, everything that God does comes from a seed. The Word of God. The Word of God is an incorruptible seed. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23, that word that is used for seed is the Greek word spora, which is where we get a spore from, a seed that, that makes a plant. And that word spora comes from the word sperma, where we get the word sperm from. It's talking about that in the same way that you can't have children, the stork doesn't bring children. I'm not going to explain this. If you have a problem, ask somebody next to you. But the stork doesn't bring children. You've got to plant a seed. And if a woman was saying, I've actually had women come forward before and say, would you please pray for me that I'll get pregnant? 
And I, I remember one time I was just getting ready to lay hands on this woman. And I'll, I said, are you married? And she said, no. And I said, I'm not praying for you, praise God. I said, either you're going to have to commit sin to get pregnant or you're, you know what? You, you aren't going to have a virgin birth. There was only one of those and you aren't going to be the second one. But you don't get pregnant by prayer. I've prayed with thousands of people who have had children and conceived. And I've got hundreds and hundreds of little kids named Andrew all over the world because I've prayed with them. I remember in, in um, where was this, Northern Ireland, I prayed with one woman and I gave her a prophecy. I said, the next time I see you, you're going to be pregnant. And I came back the next year and she had done a pregnancy test every month and she hadn't gotten pregnant. And on the way to the meeting that night, she says, we are stopping by the hospital and I'm getting a pregnancy test because he said the next time I saw him, I'd be pregnant. And she got a pregnancy test and she was pregnant that night and came and gave me the results and they named their kid after me. So I've prayed with lots of people and I've seen God do miracles and people have children. But you know what? I tell them every time after I pray for you, I said, now look, I believe God's performed a miracle and I believe you're healed, but this isn't going to be a virgin birth. You got a part to play. (laughs) Amen. I said, act on the word. Faith without works is dead. And they all willingly agree. Amen. But my point is, if you want a child, we would think a woman's silly to pray and say, God, why aren't I having children? And yet you never planted a seed. Everything operates off of a seed. You aren't going to experience the miraculous power of God if you don't take a seed. And this, this is a book full of seeds. Every one of these things is a seed that will counter the negativism that's in this world. It'll counter the doubt and the unbelief. When you get to where you know this better than you know the news broadcast and better than you know the sports score and who's ahead in this and that and all of these kind of things. When you get to where the word of God dominates your life, it will give you the ability to reject all of this unbelief and negativism of the world. And it'll build you up and it'll give you faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And brothers and sisters, again, I believe I'm speaking to the cream of the crop. This is Friday night, New Year's Day. What kind of a person would come out to a hotel on New Year's Day to hear a hit from Texas? You're a fanatic. You're You're a certifiable fanatic. Amen. Or you were drug here by a fanatic. So you're the cream of the crop. And yet I can guarantee you that the majority of people sitting right here in this room do not meditate in the word day and night. And yet you are wanting your way to be prosperous. You're wanting to have good success. You're wanting to be healed. And yet you haven't taken the word of God and planted it. I have people come to me. I've asked some people this week. I said, so what are you standing on? What are you believing for your healing? And it just kind of takes them by surprise. Well, I believe God can heal. I said, what scripture do you have? And they can't even mention a scripture. They haven't got a scripture that they've been standing on. They haven't planted the word in their heart. They're wanting a crop, but they didn't plant any seed. This is not rocket science. This is really simple. 
And yet most people don't look at the kingdom as being this simple. They think, oh no, you got to pray and you intercede and you get a prayer chain going and it's all of these hard things that we do to get God to move. It's as simple as if you're sick, take the word of God. It says that God's word is health unto all of your flesh and life to them that find it. Out of Proverbs chapter 4 around verse 20, it says in Psalms 100 and... um, Seven, or I forget where it is. I can find it. 107 verse 20. Psalms 107 verse 20 says, God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all of their destructions. The word of God is health to you. It'll bring health to you. If you're sick, take the word of God and find some scriptures and meditate on it. And you know what? As you study these scriptures, all of a sudden, it's like one will just explode on the inside of you. And you'll think, man, this is it. God spoke to me. You can take Psalms 118. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And as you're going through these scriptures, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, that one's for you. You are not going to die. And all of a sudden faith rises up and you overcome sickness and disease because you've taken the word of God and stood on it. And yet how many people are wanting this result? They're wanting healing. And yet you say, what scripture are you standing on? I think somewhere, I'm not sure if it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, it says something about by stripes we're healed. You know what? If that's as intimate as you've gotten with the word, you aren't pregnant yet. You got to be a little bit more acquainted with the word than that. You've got to get it in your heart. You got to meditate in the word day and night and then you will make your way prosperous. Notice it says you will. It didn't say you might. It says you will. And it says you, you will make your way prosperous. Most people have the impression of, oh God, I just am trusting you. Oh God, move. Oh God, touch me. Oh God, set my finances free. Oh God, take discouragement away from me. Oh God, get rid of this problem in my life. God's not going to do that. He gave you the power. He gave you the authority. He put the same power on the inside of you that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You have to stand up and you have to speak it and you have to release this. When you meditate in the word day and night, the word rises up on the inside of you and then you make your way prosperous. It's God's power. I'm not saying that you can do this on your own. It's God's power, but it's in you and it's at your disposal and it's not going to manifest and show itself until you begin to start taking a stand and do something. Boy, this is simple what I'm saying. And yet this is just totally contrary to what most people's experience is. If you are going to be positive in a negative world, you are going to have to get to where you love the Word of God, to where you know the Word of God better than you know what the news says. And I know that we have a, we've developed an addiction to the news. You get up in the morning and turn it on to find out what's happening, just in case you miss some terrible rape or murder over the night. You want to find out immediately everything that's going on. Did you know, really, there are some things that you need to know, but if we go to war... Or something, you'll hear about it. And then you can turn on the television and find out the details. If something really big happens, you'll hear about it. It's not a big deal. You do not have to be plugged into the world 24 hours a day hearing every rotten thing that is going on, every bad news. It's just not that important. You need to get to where you are that addicted to the Word of God. 
to where, man, you get up and you just can't wait to get into the word of God and learn something else and take a seed and plant it in your heart. And we need to get to where we're addicted to the word of God. <laughs> Scripture says in um, Isaiah chapter 26, verse three, that says the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusts in him. You know how you keep your mind stayed on the word of God? Here's how I do it. I study the word of God. I honestly don't know how to keep my mind. I, I guess I use music too. Like I've mentioned, I've listened to Charlie and Jill's music. Probably. I've sung their songs more than they have. The scripture says, speak unto yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord in Ephesians chapter five. And so that is one way, but see, it's because the word is in their song and I use these things and I speak to myself. But the dominant way that I keep my mind stayed on the Lord is through the word of God. When I study the word of God and you can study the word of God carnally to where it doesn't minister to you. The Bible isn't written to your head. It's written to your heart. Now it makes perfect sense, but it is written to your heart. It, 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 you receive it from your heart, not through your head. And if you just read the Bible with a critical eye, you could be like the Pharisees that went to Jesus meeting and they stood there and, and watched to see if he was going to heal this leper. <laughs> they were expecting a miracle, but they were expecting it so that they could criticize him and come against him and have something against him. If that's your heart attitude, if you go at it with the wrong attitude, looking for problems, then it's not going to minister to you. But if you will open up your heart and say, I believe that this is your word and you take scriptures and you, you stand on it, the Lord will just make the word of God come alive on the inside of you. Over in, Jer uh, excuse me, in Luke chapter 24, the two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus, they talked to Jesus for two hours and he opened up the scriptures and expounded in the scriptures everything that was a prophecy about himself. And when he finally, when, they when their eyes were open and they recognized who he was, they van he vanished out of their sight. And they said, didn't our hearts burn within us while we talked with him by the way? I tell you what, that is a perfect description of what the Word of God does. When I study the Word, it just burns on the inside. I mean, I get excited over the Word of God. I would rather sit and study the Word of God than I'd rather do anything else. It is the most exciting thing. And I know some of you are thinking, well, you're weird. Well, I think you're weird. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says the word of God is quick. That means it's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This book is different than any other book. It's alive. It's God's word. They are living words. And I'm telling you, if you want life in you instead of death, if you want positive instead of negative, if you want faith instead of depression and fear and unbelief, put your nose in the word and study the word of God and meditate in it and you will be prosperous. God will keep you in perfect peace. When your mind is stayed upon him. If you aren't in perfect peace, it's not because of the economic situation. It's not because of your hormones. It's not because of what this person has done to you. It's not because of your marital status. It's because you haven't kept your mind stayed on the word. 
It's because you have had your attention diverted and you're now thinking about all of these other things. When you keep your mind stayed on the Lord, which is what the Word of God does, you will be kept in perfect peace. If you don't have perfect peace, it's because your mind isn't stayed on the Lord. No exceptions. That's tight, but it's right. Some of you think, oh, but you don't know my situation. Well, you don't know the power of the Word. There are no exceptions to this. I could just, I can make this point. I'm really wanting to go somewhere else tonight, but I'm, you aren't going to go very far in your relationship with God if you don't love the word with all of your heart. You just aren't going to prosper. And yet there's so many Christians that they don't love the word. They do a little Bible study where they read a devotion. You know, I got a devotion book right here. Amen. I'm not against devotions. I got 365 devotions every day with Jesus. I've got them. Amen. I'm not against devotions, but I'm telling you, if that's all you do, you might as well plan your future, your funeral, excuse me. You might as well go ahead and buy your um, insurance and get ready because you aren't going to make it. It's going to take more than a devotion. You're going to have to meditate in the Word day and night. And if that's not the way that you are, God loves you. God's not upset with you. You don't have to be in the Word day and night to go to heaven. As a matter of fact, you can get to heaven quicker if you aren't in the Word day and night. Because you'll die of something. You will not last. God loves you. God's not mad at you. But if you want your way to be prosperous and if you want to have good success, you're going to have to meditate in the Word day and night. You're going to have to get to where you know the Word of God better than you know the doubt and the unbelief. You're going to have to get to where the Word of God motivates you more than what the doctor has to say, more than what the lawyer has to say, more than what the banker has to say. And brothers and sisters, I'm saying this in love, but this is not the case with the majority of you. There are many of you in here that you could know 10 scriptures about healing and one negative word from a doctor, one test would cause you to just break down and lose all of your joy and peace. The Bible says in Romans chapter three, verse four, it says, yea, let God be true and every man a liar. You got to get to a place where you believe the word of God so strong. It's not that you don't love other people or you don't respect them, but it's just compared to God, they're nobody. Amen. Amen. You know, I had to go get a physical uh, because we had to take out a, uh, a loan for this building that we bought a few years back and they required that we have insurance. And for us to get insurance, I had to go get a physical. So I went and did this treadmill test. It's the only time I ever go to the doctors. I had to do something like that. And I got this treadmill test. I had witnessed to this doctor about my son being raised from the dead and he was just amazed. And I was telling him and this nurse... They wanted to shave the hair on my chest and put these things on there. And I said, this is virgin hair. It has never been touched. I said, how dare you? So they put these electrodes on my chest without shaving the hair off. And because of it, when I got to sweating, those things started falling off. So I was holding two of them here and a doctor was holding one and a nurse was holding one and I was jogging and it was a sight. But anyway, after I got through with this test, this doctor was looking through my piece of paper and he was, you know, saying, well, everything looks good. And then he got to the 12 minute and 35 second point and he started grunting. 
and making noises and you know how doctors are. And you, I mean, he didn't have to grunt. He was doing that for effect. I said, what's wrong? And he said, oh, something's wrong here. He says, you got a serious problem. You got a serious heart problem. And he got down and took a piece of paper and wrote down a doctor's name. And he says, you need to go for another test today. We're going to send you over there. And then we're going to check you into the hospital. And we may do surgery today. You got a serious heart problem. And I just, I thought for just a second. And then I said, that's a lie. I said, I don't have any heart problem. And you know what? This doctor was just shocked that somebody would tell him that that was a lie. I guess he wasn't used to people saying that. And he just looked at me and I said, you look at that piece of paper and tell me that that says I got a heart problem. And he says, well, the truth is he showed it to me and he says, you're just one hundredth of a a point or however they do that off in this one spot. And he says, everybody's heart's different. It could just be an anomaly. I think we ought to go get it tested and just find out. And I said, that's not what you said. You didn't say there could be a problem, that you're just a tiny bit off. You told me I had a serious heart problem. I said, you lied to me. And this guy, well, no, I didn't. And I just got on his case. And I said, I don't receive this in the name of Jesus. And I rebuked this guy. And this doctor just tore up the piece of paper and he says, you're fine. Just get out of here. (laughs) And so anyway, I had to still go get another test because we needed insurance. And so I went to this guy and had a nuclear stress test done where they stick this dye in you. And and this doctor that gave me the nuclear stress test said that those are 99.9% accurate. Those stress tests that you put on a treadmill, they're only 50% accurate. They're wrong as often as they're right. And yet how many of you have ever had one of those and the doctor told you something and you just caved because of it? Because you know what? The word of a doctor, a little piece of paper with something on it is more important to you than the word of God. You need to get to a place where God's true and every man's a liar. You believe what God says and God says you're healed and I really don't care what you think. I am healed, amen. I don't care what this says. Now, I'm not saying that you bury your head in the sand and ignore something. If you got pain, I'm saying pray over it and do something with it. But I'm not in denial. I don't deny that the physical realm exists. I don't deny that bad things happen. But I am denying that I'm only physical And that I have to just go by what I feel. There's a part of me that has been raised from the dead that has the life of God in it. And if I will believe that supernatural part of me will trump the natural part every single time. Amen. And so I am in denial that I am only human and that this is all I have. And you know, I have gotten to the place that the Word of God to me is more real than what the doctor says, more real than what a banker says. And you know, right now we're in a period of prosperity and our ministry is just blessed and all of our bills are paid and we got money in the bank. And some people say, well, it's easy for you to say that. But you know what? I lived for decades before I understood the word of God completely. And I lived for decades when it didn't look like we were prosperous. And yet I never told people we were poor. I never went around begging. I never confessed that we were behind. I spoke that our needs were meant even when I didn't see it come to pass. 
I've been in situations where my board told me you're bankrupt, close the ministry, quit. We are going to give all the assets to somebody else. That's my board telling me that. I've been in bad situations and yet in those situations, I still believe what God's word says, what he had told me more than what the banker had to say, more than what my board had to say. I'm telling you, this works in every area of your life. You're going to have to get to where, let God be true, but every man a liar. And how do you know what God says? You can't just take my opinion or a church's opinion on it. Yes, listen to other people, but then you need to go to the word. You need to say, thus saith the Lord. If you don't, if you say, well, Andrew Womack says, the devil's going to say, Jesus I know, and Andrew I know, but who are you? You need to find out what God's word says. You need to get to where you don't have to quote me and say, well, it was on this tape set. It was in this book. You need to go to the word of God. You might listen to me to get a truth, but then go to the word of God and make it your own. Meditate in the word day and night and the word will change your life. I promise you. I guarantee this. Money back guarantee. You take the word of God and meditate in it day and night. You will prosper. You, you will be prosperous. You will have good success in any area of your life that you apply the scripture. It will work in your life. And until you've done all of those things and stood on the word and until the word of God is burning on the inside of you, don't be confused about why aren't things working. I'm telling you why they aren't working. You didn't plant a seed. It's that simple. And brothers and sisters, the vast majority of the body of Christ is not meditating in the Word. They hire preachers to meditate in the Word form. And then you go to church and expect that preacher to give you everything you need. That's not the way that God meant for the body of Christ to work. Now, praise God, we don't all have to learn everything by hard knocks and just learn it all on our own. God has raised people up in ministry to help teach you the Word of God. But we are just here to point you in the right direction and to show you things. But then you should take this and you should go meditate in the Word until this becomes God's Word to you. Until it becomes alive on the inside of you. You know, I never memorized Scripture. And yet I can quote thousands and thousands of scriptures and people think, how do you do that? I live it. You get to where you're facing death and you stand and say in the name of Jesus and you quote scripture and stuff and you see a miracle come through, you'll never have to say, now where was that scripture? (laughs) You live it and it's a part of you. I can quote thousands of scriptures because I've taken the word and I've applied it to my life and I've meditated on it and I've seen it work and because of it, it's just a part of me. You don't have to struggle to memorize scripture. It's not about getting something in your head. It's about the word of God becoming a part of you. You live it, you believe it and you get to a point that you can't do anything else. It'll just come out of your mouth. You know, God gave me a revelation about being blessed And people ask me, how are you? And I have said it so many thousands and thousands of times that I'm blessed that I can't help it. I'm in front of unbelievers. And they'll say, how are you today? And I say, oh, I'm blessed. And boy, they just look at me. I I don't do it on purpose. It's just in my heart. I am blessed. 
And it gives me many opportunities to minister the Word of God. You need to get to where the Word of God just literally becomes a part of you and you don't have to put it on. You don't have to fake it. You don't have to be something else. It's just a part of you. I know that most of you in here, the reason that you've come to this meeting is because you are desiring these supernatural results and yet many of you aren't doing what the Word of God says to get it. It's not enough to bootleg the gospel off of me or off of some preacher. You need to get to where you know the Word of God. If you don't know it, well then take my materials and learn it and get those things and point you in the right direction, but then make it yours. Get to where you know what the Word of God says. And it will overcome the negativism of this world. It will overcome the doubt and the unbelief. This coldness that seeks to make your love grow cold. It will make you red hot when you're in the Word of God. I remember when I was drafted and I went into the army. And I could give you a lot of reasons for this. But boy, I, I was persecuted unmercilessly. They hated me. I had people. I would walk into... Uh, the mess hall and sit down and everybody at that table would leave because I had witnessed to them and man, they didn't want to hear about it and they treated me like the plague. I'd walk into the barracks and people would be talking and I'd walk in and everybody, shh, and they'd all get quiet and they'd leave. And it was just pitiful. And I was uh, feeling lonely and discouraged and nobody liked me. And I remember I was, I was fighting discouragement and everybody else, I was at Fort Dix, New Jersey, right underneath the Verrazano Nair Bridge in, uh, in New York. And everybody on weekend leave went to New York City and partied on their leave. And you know what I did? I just stayed in my barracks. I was the only person there. And I laid on my bunk and studied the Word for eight hours. And after reading the Word for eight hours, I could have run through a troop or leapt over a wall is the way that David said it. Man, I was stronger than horseradish. I was praising God. I was excited. I mean, I was just fired up. And the only thing that happened was I just got in the Word and I began to start thinking about what God said instead of what people said. And I was out of it. I didn't have to take a pill. I took the gospel. I'm telling you, if you aren't in perfect peace, your mind hasn't been stayed upon God. Oh, but you don't know what's happened in my family. No, your mind hasn't been stayed upon God. You don't know what the banker has said. No, your mind isn't stayed on God. Jesus was in perfect peace, even hanging on the cross in extreme agony. He, he had love flowing through him and turned around and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they can do, not know what they do. And God has given us that exact same power. There's no reason that we shouldn't be operating in this peace, but it's because we haven't been meditating in the Word day and night. You can't release something that you haven't received, and most of us haven't received the revelation. The world is making a bigger impact. It's having more influence on us than the gospel is because we aren't meditating in the Word day and night. This is the first day of 2010. You know what? You ought to... If you're the kind that make a New Year's resolution, you ought to make a New Year's resolution that this year you are going to get into the Word of God. You are going to read it from cover to cover. I couldn't even tell you how many Christians have never read the whole Bible and yet they say they believe it and they had not even read it. 
One of the things that I do in my class in the Bible school is we make our students read the Bible. Novel thought. And I've had people come to our Bible school that have been through multiple seminaries and said they have never used the Bible as a book, as a textbook. They used all of these other things and many of them have never read the Bible. I would say probably the majority of the people who come to our Bible school have never read the Bible through cover to cover. That's a shame. And I, every time I'll have somebody say, well, you're legalistic. You're telling me, I said, look, you can call it whatever you want to, but if you go to our Bible school, you are at least going to read the Bible before you graduate. <laughs> say what you want to, call me legalistic, but if you go to a Bible school, you ought to at least read the Bible. All you got to do is read three chapters in the Old Testament and one chapter in the New Testament every day and you will read the Bible through once and the New Testament through twice in one year. That's how simple it is. There's nothing hard to that. You need to know what's in the Word of God. And I know somebody, well, I don't have time for that. Just turn off the television for 20 minutes a day. You could live without it. I guarantee you, any person in here could read the Bible through in one year. I've read it through hundreds of times. And every, I, I was telling, I think it was David just the other day, that I am getting more out of the Word of God. It is more alive to me. I'm getting more fresh revelation from the Word of God than I have ever had in my life. And I have been studying it day and night for 41 years. And it is still alive. I am going to scriptures that I have preached on. I have written commentary on it. I've studied those scriptures hundreds and hundreds of times and I'm seeing brand new things out of it. This is a living word. You can't ever get all of this. Your little peanut brain can never get everything that's in the Word of God. You can study it every day from now until the rest of your life and you'll still be getting new things out of it. If anybody feels that you've got the Word figured out and that you don't need to read it anymore, that just shows how little you know. The more you know of the Word of God, the more it comes alive, the more you'll recognize that, man, I need the Word of God. I need to understand this. One of the things that I consider to be the greatest compliment, I had somebody do it this week, come up and say, man, since I've been listening to you, the Word of God has come alive to me. I love the Word of God. I, it is just, so, they are so excited about it. Man, I love that. Because if you love the Word, if you can get in and feed yourself, you will move beyond the place where you just have to have somebody else do everything for you. But you can start feeding yourself and you can start being one of the ones that blesses other people. Amen. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, I know I'm speaking to people in here that the Word of God is not preeminent in your life. And yet you're desiring all of the results that come from sowing this incorruptible seed of the Word of God. And yet you aren't sowing the seed. That's just as foolish as a person who wants a harvest and never plants the seed, who wants a child and yet never has a relationship with a man. It doesn't work that way. You're going to have to have a surrogate birth. You're going to have to have somebody else conceive your seed for you and then let you raise it. That's not the way that God wants it to be. God wants every one of you to be able to receive. You know, let me just say, I was trying to get over to Mark Matthew chapter 11. Let me just summarize this very quickly and I'll quit because I spent a lot of time getting there. 
But in Matthew chapter 11 is an instance where John the Baptist was discouraged. He had been in prison and it doesn't say in scripture how long he's been there. I've tried to quantify this many times and I just haven't been able to figure out. But it's at least six months he had been in prison. He could have been in prison over a year. And here is this guy who is a fireball who came on the scene and he was so powerful, so anointing, so radical that in six months time, he caused one of the greatest revivals in the history of the world. It said not only the Jews, but Idumea and all of the nations round about were prepared and ready for the Lord. And if you read the prophecies in Malachi, it says that I'll send you Elijah before the day that the Lord comes to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with the curse. It's implying that if John the Baptist hadn't have prepared the way and have made people receptive to the gospel, that possibly if, the, if things would have gone differently, Jesus might have come and brought a curse to the earth. People would have rejected him, but it was John the Baptist ministry that prepared the soil and made the people ready so that Jesus could come and fulfill what God wanted to do. It was critical. He was very, very important. And this man in six months period of time turned multiple nations to the Lord. And then he got arrested by Herod and put in prison. And after either six months or whatever period of time in prison, in the 11th chapter of the book of Matthew, he sends two of his disciples to Jesus and he says, are you the Messiah? Or should we look for another? Now to understand how important that was, this man was the only person in scripture who was filled with the Holy Spirit while he was still in his mother's womb. Six months into the pregnancy, he was filled with the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter two. And so he was filled with the Holy Spirit, separated. He didn't go through a normal childhood. He didn't go through school. He didn't have girlfriends. He didn't have playmates and things like this. He didn't even grow up with his parents. He was out in the desert raised by the Essens, a very strict group that wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls. And this man's entire life was devoted to God. He had no other interest, no other purpose, no family. He gave himself completely to God. And then the Lord had given him a sign. He says, upon whom you see the Holy Spirit descending in a physical form, that's the one. That's the Christ. And he saw the Holy Spirit come down on Jesus and he proclaimed him and said, behold, the Lamb of God and took all of the people who had come to John and sent them after Jesus. And that was his only purpose in life. And here he is after being locked up in prison saying, did I miss it? Did I take this anointing that's on my life, the only person in history who had ever been filled with the Holy Spirit while in his mother's womb, this critical issue of preparing the way for the Lord? Did I blow it? Did I announce the wrong person? Are you the Christ? That's terrible. And it shows us a number of things. One of them is if John the Baptist could doubt, any of us can doubt. There is a part of us that is completely human. And if you get over into your human flesh, I don't care who you are, all of us are capable of doubt and of fear and of being discouraged. But how did Jesus respond to him? You have to compare Luke chapter 7 where it lists this same story with Mark, Matthew chapter 11 because each one of them gives a little bit different. But if you put them together, it says that when they came and asked Jesus this question, are you the Christ? He ignored them for about an hour. He didn't even answer their question. 
And he just went around and started healing people. And he saw blind eyes open and deaf ears open and the lame walk. And he saw a person raised from the dead. And then he turned around after an hour and he says, go back and tell John what you have seen and heard. And blessed is he who's not offended in me. And after, it says in Luke chapter 7, after they departed, after John's messengers were gone, then Jesus said, why did you go out into the desert to see? Was it a man, you know, who's dressed in fine clothing? That wasn't John. It wasn't his, it wasn't his uh, attire that drew people out into the desert. He says, what did you go out to see? People that are arrayed in all this fine apparel? Was it the reeds shaking in the wind? He was saying these things sarcastically. Those things had been out there for hundreds and thousands of years. He says, what was it that you went out there to see? He says, was it a prophet? He says, it's more than a prophet. I say unto you that among those who've been born of women, there has never been a greater than John the Baptist. Well, what a powerful thing for Jesus to say about a man. That makes John the Baptist greater than Moses, Elijah, David. What a powerful thing. You know, if I was discouraged and if I sent to somebody who was the greatest spiritual leader of the day and said, could you help me? I'm discouraged. If they started saying really nice things about me, about you, the most anointed person in all of these things, you know what? Most of us would think, oh man, this is great. And that'd just bring you out of your depression. Jesus didn't say any of those complimentary things while John's disciples were there. He waited until they were gone before he said it. And I wondered for years about, Jesus, why did you do this? John was Jesus' cousin. John drew the crowds. John prepared the way. And Jesus, it shows you what he thought about him. He was the greatest man that had ever been born on the earth. Why didn't Jesus say these complimentary things to John? And I wondered about that for years. And then I was reading in Isaiah chapter 35. I won't take time to turn over there and read it. But it was scriptures that John was familiar with. He quoted from those exact passages of scripture when he's quoted from Isaiah 40 about, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. So he was familiar with these scriptures. And in Isaiah chapter 35, it says that when the Messiah comes, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Then the lame man shall leap as a heart. The tongue of the dumb shall sing and streams shall break out in the desert. And you know what? The Holy Spirit just quickened that to me. And I went back over to Matthew chapter 11. And you know what happened? When John was in doubt, when he was struggling with discouragement, which is what I'm talking about, how to be strong and courageous instead of being afraid and dismayed, When John was dealing with doubt, you know how Jesus dealt with it? He fulfilled the word. The word said that when he came, he would open the eyes of the blind. So Jesus opened the eyes of a blind man. It said that the lame would walk, so he healed somebody who was lame. It said the dumb would talk, so he healed somebody who couldn't talk. And he just threw in and raised somebody from the dead, more than what was prophesied. Just so that there would be no mistake that this just accidentally happened. In one hour's period of time, he fulfilled everything that was written about the Messiah, what he would do. And he says, go back and tell John what you've seen. The lame walk, the deaf ear, the blind see, the dead are raised. You know what he did? He pointed John to the word to deal with his doubt and with his discouragement. That's what I've been trying to do for you tonight is to tell you that if you want to be strong and victorious in a negative situation, you are going to have to be in the word. 
And the scripture doesn't tell us what the results was, but my personal opinion is I believe John probably had to ponder this for a while about what does this mean? The deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised. What does that mean? And then I believe the Holy Spirit quickened to him, Isaiah 35, and he realized he fulfilled everything that was prophesied. The word says he is the one. Who else could do all of this? And God referred him back to the word. And it's my personal opinion that John received it. And John went out with a shout. He was beheaded by Herod. But you know what? I believe that he was at total peace saying, God, you are. Jesus is truly the Messiah because he fulfilled the word. And you know, I believe that God referred him back to the word, not because he thought less of him, but because he thought so much of him. He was the greatest man that had ever lived up until that time. And God honored him so much. He wouldn't come down and just touch him in an emotional, feel-good way. He wanted him to go back to the word of God because it's the word of God that is your foundation. It's the word of God that's going to make you strong. Most of us today, we have become such an emotional, sensual society that it's all about how we feel. I have people come up all the time and I say, what's wrong with you? And they say, I don't know. I'm just depressed. And I say, so what happened? Well, I don't have anything. Everything's fine, but I'm depressed. They don't even have a reason for it. I just feel this way. Don't even get me started on that. Man, that's carnal. That's carnal. Oh, but I feel this. Well, who cares how you feel? Feelings aren't God. There's times that I pray for people and I don't feel a thing. But praise God, I've learned enough not to go by how I feel. I go by what the Word says. David Hardesty and I went up and prayed for a woman one time who was in a wheelchair. And I mean, she was just moments away from death with cancer. She'd only listened to me for one week on the television and her family brought her and she was hurting so bad. She was doped up. She couldn't even talk to me. She was going in and out of consciousness. And I tried to encourage everybody, but I only had a few moments. They hadn't listened to me enough. They thought God was the one that was making her sick and there was just a million things wrong. And so I went ahead and just prayed for her. And you know what I felt? I felt like she hadn't got a chance. Too little, too late. But at least I've learned enough not to speak my doubts. And so I just prayed and I didn't undo my prayer by going out. I started to tell David, I said, this woman will probably die. But I thought, I'm not going to say that. I just prayed that she'd be well. So I'm not going to speak my doubts. And I didn't say a thing. And you know, it was only three months later and she came to another meeting of mine in Houston and ran and jumped up on the platform. And says, do you remember me? And I mean, I didn't even recognize her. The woman was just totally set free. You know what? I had those feelings, but I don't speak what I feel. I went in and prayed. And even though I felt zero faith, I felt nothing. I felt like she was going to die. She got healed anyway, because I did what the word of God said. Who cares how you feel? Well, I don't feel like reading the Bible. Forget it. Just read it anyway. There's times that I don't feel like it. There's times that my mind wanders. And I have actually read chapters out of the Bible before. And if you would have asked me, what did you just read? I couldn't have even told you what chapter it was. I couldn't have told you what book of the Bible it was. 
You know what I do when something like that happens? I read it again. And if I don't remember the second time, I'll read it until eventually I figure that if I'm going to, you know, this is silly to be reading something and not having your mind on it. And eventually I just force myself to focus on it. I've had people come up, well, I just don't like reading before. Well, go ahead and do it anyway. Who cares whether you like it or not? Well, I don't feel like reading. Who cares? What you feel like isn't important. I'm telling you, this is absolute This is absolute. The Word of God is an incorruptible seed. If you want the harvest that the Word is going to produce, plant the seed. If you don't plant the seed, don't be discouraged or question about why it isn't working. This is really simple. But I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, it works. If you're going to want victory in your life, if you want something that's abnormal, supernatural, if you want victory in your life, you're going to have to take the Word of God and get to where you know the Word of God, frontwards and backwards. It takes a lot of study. It takes a lot of effort. And some of you say, well, I don't want to wait a year or two years. I want something right now. You know what? That's one of the reasons that you aren't experiencing victory. It's because you aren't patient. You haven't taken the word. It takes patience to put a seed in the ground and you have to sleep and rise night and day and just trust that it's going to work. You may not like this, but it works for you. Once you sow a seed, did you know that seed grows up and produces and then it produces seeds and those seeds go in the ground and after a while you've got so much harvest out there that you could never eat it all. You have to start selling it and getting the money off of it and stuff because you can't harvest it enough. Once you get into the Word, it is a process, but once it gets going, this it'll just keep bearing fruit. The things that I meditated on 40 years ago are still producing in my life today. It's working. I've now got momentum going for me because I've been meditating in the Word. I don't know how long it's going to take you, but I can tell you this, you can't get there any quicker than to start tonight. If it takes a year or two years or five years or ten years or whatever it takes for you to get to where the Word of God is dominant in your life, you can't get there any quicker than starting right now. You need to make a decision that, praise God, I am going to not let this book of the law depart out of my mouth. I'm going to meditate in it day and night. I'm going to observe what it says and I will make my way prosperous and I will have good success. And I guarantee you, if you make that decision and follow through on that decision, you'll never regret it. There's probably lots of people in here that have made that decision. None of us fulfill it perfectly. But to the degree that you've done it, that you've meditated on the Word, there's not a single person in here that would say, oh, it was wasted time. It doesn't work. It does work. I guarantee you, you will benefit tremendously. So if you want to be positive in a negative world, You can't do it without having the positive influence of God's Word in your life. That is the number one way. Amen? And if you would receive that Word tonight and act on it, I guarantee you this will change your life. You'll be a different person. You know, one of the things that the Word says is that you must be born again. It didn't say that you should. This is a good way to do it. It says you must be born again. In the same way as you were born physically and got this physical body, you have to be born from above. You need to have God come live on the inside of you. And this sets true Christianity apart from religion. 
even Christian religion. There's lots of people that believe God exists. The Bible says in James 2, 19, do you believe that God exists? You do well. Even the devils believe and tremble. Just believing that God exists doesn't mean that you are a Christian. And believing that Jesus is the Son of God doesn't mean that you're a Christian. You have to make Him your Savior. You have to trust Him. You have to commit your life to Him. And when that happens, He comes and lives on the inside of you. If that hasn't happened to you, you need to do that. You must be born again. And then once you get born again, the scripture says that you also don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. Don't try and live the Christian life on your own. It's not just difficult. It's impossible. You need power. So after you get your sins forgiven and become a new creature, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you, which includes speaking in tongues and other gifts of the Spirit. I know that some of you probably came tonight not recognizing I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues because I don't scream and spit and do all of the things that everybody else does. And, and you just didn't realize what you were getting into. But I'm telling you, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit and I speak in tongues a lot. I've spoken in tongues today. And I, I can guarantee you, you would have never seen me on television if I hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoken in tongues. You need this. I would highly recommend it. Is there anybody here that would say, I need one or both of those. I either need to make Jesus my Lord and be born again, or I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this gift of speaking in tongues. Anybody here like that? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Here's hands in the back. We've already had over 120 people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but if you're here and don't have it and don't speak in tongues, you shouldn't leave this place without it. You must receive the power of God to really see victory in these areas. If you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand and didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward and we want to pray with you and help you to receive tonight. Amen. Let's praise God for these. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Man, if you'll just stand right down here in front, we're going to pray with you and help you to receive. And praise God, I believe it's going to change your life. Isn't this great? I know that there's somebody out there thinking, well, I, pro I don't speak in tongues. I probably need what you're talking about, but I'm not sure. Well, I am sure. You need to come forward. Somebody says, well, I want time to think about it. You've been thinking about it for years and look what it's done. You need to come right now. If God has touched your heart, you need this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Somebody's afraid of what we're going to do. All we're going to do is pray for you and give you a free book. Amen. You're going to get a free book out of this. There's nothing to lose. There's everything to gain. Somebody's probably thinking, what if I go up there and nothing happens? I can guarantee you if you don't come up here, nothing's going to happen. You got everything to gain, nothing to lose. We want to pray with you and help you. Anybody else? If you don't speak in tongues, I know some of you think, well, I believe I've already got the Holy Spirit, but I don't speak in tongues. Does everybody speak in tongues? Not everybody does, but everybody can who receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's like a pair of tennis shoes. When you get them, they all come with tongues. Amen. <laughs> When you get the Holy Spirit, He will help you to speak in tongues. But 
He doesn't force you to do it. You know, I could speak in tongues right now. The Holy Spirit doesn't just come on you and make you speak in tongues. I could be speaking in tongues right now. It's me. I can turn it on and off. And some people think, well, so you can just turn the Holy Spirit on and off? No, He's on all of the time. And whenever I turn on and want to speak in tongues, He's always giving me the ability to speak in tongues. But it doesn't force itself upon you. You have to choose to do this. We aren't going to force you to do anything. We're going to pray with you and give you a free book. If there's anybody else here who doesn't speak in tongues, I'd encourage you to come up here right now. This could change your life. This totally revolutionized my life. I believe that you are going to be transformed tonight. Man, this is awesome. The disciples were powerless and fearful, and when they received the Holy Spirit, they became supernatural. I believe that's going to happen. Jesus said you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to see power come in your life. Anybody else? You know, there's still other people out there. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but you ought to be up here. I know some of you are thinking, oh, I've tried this before and nothing happens. You know what? We've got some great people here that can help pray with you and minister to you. You ought to be up here. Praise God. If you don't speak in tongues, you ought to be up here. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. All right, before I pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that you have to, first of all, be born again. Jesus is the one who gives the Holy Spirit. And you have to receive the giver before you receive the gift. So you must be born again. You have to know for sure that Jesus has already come and lived on the inside of you. Is there any, are there any of you here that are not absolutely sure about your personal relationship, whether you've been born again? If that's you, I need to pray with you first before you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Anybody? Is there anybody here that's not sure? Here's one lady. We're going to pray with you. Anybody else? Anybody else? You got to be sure. Are you absolutely sure? If you were to die right this moment, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven or you just hope you would? Do you know for sure? Here's another one that needs to pray. I'm not trying to talk you out of your faith. You just got to be sure. Amen. Anybody else? Okay, we're going to pray with these two ladies. And what I'm going to do, the scripture says that Jesus has already paid for your sins. He's already bought your salvation. It's not a matter of will he forgive you. He has forgiven you. It's will you accept it. And the way you accept it, according to Romans 10, 9, it says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Are you willing to do that? When you say you're making Jesus Lord, that doesn't mean that you're promising you'll never make a mistake because you can't keep that promise. But you're saying you're willing for Him to take control of your life and control you. Are you willing to do that? Amen. Well, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I'm going to pray the words that you need to pray. And I'd like to ask everybody here to pray this with me so they won't feel like we're just listening to them. And if you will say these words and mean it in your heart... You're going to be changed. Jesus is going to come live on the inside of you and you're going to become a brand new person. Is that a good deal? Amen. Let's everybody pray this. Say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you my Lord. 
I believe that you are alive. That you live in me. I am saved. I am forgiven. In Jesus' name. Amen. You believe that? Welcome to the family. Isn't that awesome? You're totally new on the inside. Welcome to the family. Praise God. You know what? You both are still ladies on the outside. You still look the way that you did, but on the inside, you're a totally brand new person. You'll spend the rest of your life trying to figure out what just happened to you. And I got a book that'll help you. We'll give you that book and it'll help. Now, according to the scripture, every person here has already made Jesus your Lord. And according to the scripture, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what he created you for. A dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. So you don't have to beg and ask, will he do it? This is what you were created for. God has been waiting for this day. The Lord has longed for a time that you would come and just empty yourself and say, God, come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. So he wants you to have this more than you want to have it. So we aren't going to beg. We aren't going to plead. We're just going to ask one time for the Holy Spirit to come and fill you and just open up that door to your temple and allow the Holy Spirit in. And then I've got our prayer ministers that I'd like to ask to come up here. And these people are going to stand behind you and lay hands on you because the Bible says that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was given. So we're going to ask, then they're going to lay hands on you and release this power of the Holy Spirit into your life. And then I want you to quit asking and take a step of faith and start thanking God that he did what he promised he'd do. Trust the word. He said that if you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's a promise. So you're asking, we're laying hands on it. I want you to quit asking after we pray and then start thanking him that you've got it. I don't care what you feel like, just believe the word of God and start thanking him. And at that time, I want you to lift your hands like this, like when somebody sticks a gun in your back. It's just a way of saying, I surrender. The Bible says when you lift up your hands, you bless the Lord. This blesses God. So just lift your hands and start saying, Father, thank you that I am filled with the Holy Spirit. And then those of us that know how to pray in tongues are going to start speaking in tongues because the Bible says when you are praying in tongues, you are giving thanks. So we're going to start thanking God for giving you the Holy Spirit by speaking in this prayer language. And at that time, I want you to start speaking with us. And I know some of you are thinking, well, I don't know how to speak in tongues. What do I do? I've got a book that is going to explain it. I hadn't got time tonight to go any further with this. But if you're ready, you can speak with tongues. The Holy Spirit won't force it. You have to choose to speak and by faith believe that God is inspiring it. But if you're ready, you can speak in tongues right now. Amen. And we'll give you this book and talk to you and help you all we can. But if we want to pray with you right now. And if you're ready, as we start praising God by speaking in tongues, you can join in with us. Y'all ready for that? Praise God. I want you to say this. The Bible says that believers will speak with new tongues. So I want you to say, I'm a believer. And I will speak in tongues. Father, I thank you for all of these. Thank you that they've already made you their Lord. And according to the scripture, they are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Father, we just open up the doors of these temples. We welcome your Holy Spirit to come and fill everyone. Father, we are tired of living under our own power. 
our own steam. We want the power of the Holy Spirit in us. So we open up these doors to our temple. Holy Spirit, come and fill us right now. Now we lay hands on you in the name of Jesus and say, receive the Holy Spirit. We release this power and anointing to flow into your body right now. Father, we believe that your anointing and power is flowing through them and burning out all of the things in us that Satan has used to hinder us. We just thank you for your power flowing in us right now. Now, I want you to start thanking God. Let's lift those hands and you out of your own mouth. Start thanking God that he gave you the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that I am God-possessed that the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit now lives on the inside of me, that I have your power. Thank you that I have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not only speaking in tongues, but all of them. Father, thank you that you are flowing through me. Those of you who know how to pray in tongues, let's pray in tongues right now and begin to thank God and just worship the Lord in your gift of speaking in tongues. And as we speak in tongues, you just speak with us. Quit speaking in English. You can't speak in English in tongues at the same time. You can't talk in tongues with your mouth closed. You've got to open up your mouth to talk. If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what the person behind you is saying, but your tongue will be different. It'll be unique to you. You can't say what they're saying, but you've got to start talking. And once you start talking and it comes out different, just keep talking. Just keep talking. Man, just about all of these here are speaking in tongues. Isn't this great? There's the power of the Holy Spirit. There's this anointing of God flowing in you. Father, we thank you. Right now, you're bypassing your brain. You're praying out of your born-again spirit. You're bypassing the doubt and the unbelief. God is setting you free. Sister, there's an oppression that's broken over you right now. That's the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of God is flowing through you right now. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. And this is awesome. Thank you, Father. Boy, just every person that I was able to hear was, was speaking in tongues. Isn't this great? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let me have your attention here for just a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you know what? Many of you may not have felt a thing. When I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I didn't feel a thing. Some people have these really dramatic encounters and there's nothing wrong with that. If you felt wonderful and felt the power of God, that's just great. But it's not a feeling. It's, it's a fact. And I didn't feel a thing. But you know what? I believe that I got the Holy Spirit. And I operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it changed my life. So I want you to know that regardless of what you feel, I believe that God came. Regardless of whether you spoke in tongues, I believe God gave you the Holy Spirit. When I first prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I didn't speak in tongues. It took me three and a half years to speak in tongues. But that's because I was a Baptist. And I had been taught that this was of the devil and I had so much fear that it hindered me. I was afraid to speak in tongues. So I had to get my questions answered. I went to the Word of God and I got those things answered. And I've written a book about this that will help you. You need to understand what's happened to you tonight because this has the potential of being one of the most important things in your life. 
You may not feel that way right now. You may not understand it, but this will change your life. And I've written these things in a book so that you can get the full impact of this. It's our free gift to you. So I want every one of you to get this. We really want this to be a life-changing experience for you. Amen? And it has the potential of doing that. So this is Ashley right over here, the one with his hand up. And we've got a room right on the other side of this wall. And if you will go with him, we'll give you this book. They'll have people there that if you have a question, they'll pray with you. They'll answer your question. We just want you to get the full benefit out of this. So just follow him. It'll only take a minute. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. You know, I don't know how many this is, but we had 120 that had received the baptism before tonight. And so I imagine that there's now 150 or so people. Man, that's just going to change your life. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Isn't that great? Praise God. You know, these are our prayer ministers. These are people who are partners, friends. They're pastors of churches. This is the couple that I mentioned last night. These two work for Kenneth Copeland Ministries, but um, Alan had a... Uh, stroke and according to the medical doctors one third of his brain is dead that's what the x-rays show he's not supposed to be alive much less walking or talking and you're doing both it's a miracle amen and I tell you Debbie here is stronger than horseradish she did exactly what I was talking about with those doctors she just countered their negative things what I'm saying is these people know how to believe God. They know how to pray. And they have had the word planted in their heart and they can pray with you. And so rather than me having to pray with everyone, I just cannot meet the needs of every one of you. But you know what? Through our prayer ministers down here, you can come and receive prayer and these people will pray with you. And so if you would like prayer tonight for anything, I'd like to encourage you just to get up out of your seat and come forward right now and let one of our prayer ministers pray with you. We've got people standing at the aisles that are going to direct you towards a person so that you won't all just get on one side in front of one person. But if you'll come right now, we want to pray with you. I'd like to ask the rest of you to wait just a moment until these get out into the aisle and start coming for prayer. And they can spend more time with you than I do. Some people think I'm the only one that can pray. But you know what? I don't have a gift of healing. I am just Joe Blow believer that prays for people. And I see some great things happen. But some of these actually have gifts of healing. They have special anointings from God. And uh, I'd encourage you to come and take advantage of it. I am not the only one that can pray for you. Jesus is the one who's doing the healing. Amen. So if you need prayer, just come right now. The rest of you, let me just remind you that we'll be back at 10 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock tomorrow evening. Also, we have CDs and DVDs of tonight's service and the two previous services already made and duplicated out there. You can get them. And I tell you, you need to hear these things more than once. Anytime you feel yourself growing a little cold, you ought to stick these tapes in. It'll get you all fired up. Amen. 
So thanks for coming. You're dismissed if you need to be. I'm going to stay here and pray with these people. And often we operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So you're welcome to stay and pray with us. But if you desire to go, you're welcome to go. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. We agree with all of these right men. We just praise you that by the stripes of Jesus, all of us have already been healed that you've already provided it, took place 2,000 years ago, that you've placed on the inside of each one of us the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So we take our authority right now, and in the name of Jesus, we speak to this sickness and disease, to these infirmities, and command these things to leave people. We curse cancers. We curse heart problems. We speak Satan. You loose these people and let them go now in the name of Jesus. Father, we loose your power right now to flow through their bodies and bring healing unto them and restoration to whatever Satan has damaged in their body. We thank you that pain is leaving right now. That discomfort is gone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Here's somebody that's being healed. You've had bowel problems. It could be like irritable bowel syndrome or I don't know what it is. The Lord just spoke to me that somebody here has got a problem in your bowels. There's the power of God ministering unto you. I believe that you're being healed right now. Right now in Jesus' name. You know, if this is you, if you're receiving this about your bowels, some of you may be embarrassed about this, but you don't need to be embarrassed. You just need to receive your healing. If that's you, I want you to stand up and raise your hand so I can see who it is I'm praying for. And I believe that the healing power of God is flowing unto you. Here's a number of people over here. Thank you, Jesus. Father, for these people right now, I just agree and we release the healing power of God. Whatever the problem is. Some of you, it's your emotions. You've been under stress and that has caused a reaction in your body. God is healing your emotions right now taking away this anxiety as you keep your mind stayed upon the Lord through studying the word of God. He's going to keep you in perfect peace. And this bowel problem is leaving for others that it's just a physical or natural thing. We speak healing to these bowels now in Jesus name. Father, I thank you that they are healed from this time forth that their body is going to function the way that you created them to function. We command this plumbing to work properly in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you. We believe for a miracle taking place in them right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. You believe you receive? Normally I'll say you're, God's setting you free in the name of Jesus, but I won't pray that over those with bowel problems. Amen. <laughs> We want you to be able to leave in comfort. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we just agree. We receive all of these healings right now. You know, somebody here fell and somehow or another you caught yourself on your elbow 
and you uh, damaged your elbow. You either chipped it or broke it or did something, but you got a problem because you fell and hit your elbow. Who is this? I want you, if you're here, I know you're here. Here's a number of people. Anybody else? If that's you, I want you to stand up. Raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. And here's the healing power of God coming unto you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, for these that have damaged their elbow, we speak healing in Jesus' name. Whatever's happened, if there is a chip bone, some of you have a piece of bone loose in there that is moving around and it causes you pain, not all of the time, but some of the time. Right now, it's healed in Jesus' name. That's over with. Command all of this pain to be gone, for this discomfort to be gone, for you to have total freedom of movement. Somebody's elbow is frozen, maybe not completely, but you didn't have total freedom of movement. Right here is the healing power of God. And God is making that so that you can move your arm totally normal now. Here's the healing power of God. And Father, I thank you that they are free now in Jesus' name. That these elbows are healed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all agree? Was there somebody in here that had pain in your elbow before we prayed and it's gone now? Anybody? Here's one right here. Anybody else? Anybody else? Here's one over here, excuse me, right here. Praise God. Anybody else? Here's another one. Do you have an aversion to standing up? (laughs) All right, you're healed. So there's three people that the pain has already left. Was there one of you that had a a piece of bone or something that was loose in there that was causing you a problem? I, I believe that was a word from God. Any of you? Here's one here in the back, amen. And that was you? You're good now? Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Boy, that's a miracle. Father, we agree and we receive these miracles. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit being here and moving and setting people free. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody has hit your head on something. I believe it's on the, on the top, but the back part of your head. You hit your head on something And this has caused you problems. Who is that? Who's got this? You hit your head on something. Is that you? All right, if that's you, I want you to stand and raise your hand. Here's here's a number of people. Father, in the name of Jesus, whatever this problem is on their head, we just release your healing power. I know that you called this out, and I believe that your power is touching all of these people right now, and we command whatever problem it is, if it's pain, or if it's any other problem, we loose your anointing and believe that this is over, that your healing power is setting them free right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Somebody here had a knot on your head from doing that, and that knot's going down. It's going to be supernatural. Father, we agree, and we receive this. Thank you for your healing power. There's somebody here that's got like a rash on them, and it... uh, it comes and goes, but the Lord is saying it just goes and goes. It'll never come again. This time it's leaving and it's not coming back. If that's you, I want you to stand and raise your hand. This rash, this eczema or whatever is leaving you in Jesus' name. Father, we command this thing, whatever the source of it is, whether it's a virus, an infection, we know that ultimately it's just the devil and we speak against it and command 
that rash, this problem in the skin to be gone in the name of Jesus. Now in Jesus' name. And Father, I loose your anointing now to flow through every one of these. And let I believe that this anointing is touching them and that their skin is coming back to normal. That Father, they are being healed of this right now. That this rash or this problem is leaving their body and it will not come back. We thank you that it's over. It's not coming back in the name of Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I believe that's done. You know, I believe there's somebody here that's got a darker complexion. You're either black or Mexican or something. But anyway, you're darker complected and yet your your pigment isn't working right. You've got uh, light spots on you. I've seen this before, but the Lord spoke to me that somebody here is like that and God is going to heal whatever that is so that your skin becomes the same color all the way around. Here's a lady right here. Anybody else? Here's another one over here. Father, I thank you for these and right now in the name of Jesus, we loose the anointing of God and whatever is wrong with their skin, pigment, their color, Father, we just speak that you are fixing this. We command that problem to leave them right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that their their skin color is complete, consistent all the way through. We command these spotches to be gone in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we release this anointing. And I believe that right now you're touching their body. And from this moment forth, their skin becomes normal. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. With one of you, it wasn't only light spots. There were, there were darker spots. But anyway, your skin pigment is becoming normal all the way through. Father, we release that power, and I believe that this comes to pass, that we see this manifest in these bodies from this time forth. They are healed. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We agree and we receive that. Hallelujah. Well, there's a bunch of people the Lord shows me that you've got pain in your neck. There's a lot of different things. It's not uh, all from injuries. Some of it, It's just pain in your neck. The devil is a pain in the neck. Amen. <laughs> if that's you, I want you to stand up and raise your hands and I'm going to pray for you. And I believe God's taking this pain, stiffness out of your neck. Boy, there was a bunch of you. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you that you have set us free from all of these things, that we don't have to live with pain in our neck, stiffness, discomfort. Father, we release your anointing right now, and I command this pain, this discomfort to be gone in Jesus' name. Next, you be healed in the name of Jesus. Boy, right here is the power of God flowing. Move your neck around right now. Begin to move and do things that you couldn't do before. There's the healing power of God. Somebody's neck popped when you move it. Right, That popping, stopping right now. Here's the healing power of God and you're going to be able to move your neck without it popping when you move. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we release this anointing right now and I thank you for healing all of these people that all of this sickness and disease is gone. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, that's good news. 
I believe God set you free. Has anybody here already seen the pain or the stiffness gone? You're already doing good. Here's one right here. Anybody else? Here's a number in the back. There's one guy back there that's getting everything I'm praying for. Amen. Here's another one. Anybody else? Here's one right here. Praise God. There's a bunch of people. Bunch of you already have seen your neck healed. Isn't that awesome? And the good news is if God healed one person, he healed you all. It's not God who only gives to some people. Sometimes things manifest instantly. Other times it takes a period of time, but you're all healed. The healing power of God has flowed towards all of you. And praise God, those necks are getting well in Jesus' name. You know, I've seen two people who were deaf today healed. And I believe that right now there is just that the Lord is here and he's healing deafness. You may not be totally deaf. You might only be partially deaf, deaf in one ear. Maybe you have um, just a partial uh, certain frequency. But if you are having problems with your ears, I want you to stand right now and put your hands in the air so I'll see who I'm praying for. And I believe that this anointing of God is going to heal your ears. I want you to expect a miracle right now. Expect this. Don't just pray and ask and then wonder what's going to happen. Believe that right now, this is a word from God. The Holy Spirit is here healing people's ears. And I want you to start praising God and believe that the healing power of God is flowing towards you right now. I rebuke deafness in the name of Jesus. Partial deafness, any part of deafness. Satan, we command you to be gone. We command a spirit of deafness to leave this place. Leave these people now in the name of Jesus. Let them go in Jesus' name. And now, Father, we lay hands on ourselves and we release the healing power of God and command this hearing to come back. Command all of the frequencies to come back. Father, we command the volume to come up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We release this anointing right now. I want you to lay hands on your own ears. And just speak and release the healing power of God into your ears. Ears, you be open now in Jesus' name. Nerves come back to life in the name of Jesus. Eardrums be healed. There's somebody here that's actually missing parts of your ear. I don't know whether that was congenital or if you had it removed by surgery, but somebody is actually missing parts of your ear. And right now, God is putting them back in. Your hearing is coming back to you, even though you didn't have those parts in there. Here's the healing power of God coming. Ears, you open now in Jesus' name. Sound come back. Hearing come back to them now. And Father, we thank you and believe that this is taking place right now. Right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who in here can already tell a difference in your hearing? Your ear is opened up. Man, here's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Anybody else? Twelve, thirteen. Praise God. Man, this is great. Over a dozen people have already seen manifestation. And you know what? All the rest of you, God touched every one of you. Sometimes it takes a little while. Jesus spoke to the fig tree. 
and there was no visible results. But the next day, 24 hours, that fig tree was dried up from the roots. It happened in the roots first in what couldn't be seen, but it was done. I believe that God touched every last one of you. Your healing is coming. These ears are going to start responding just like these others. There's over a dozen people that have already told the difference. I believe God touched every one of you. Amen. You need to go to praising God for it and keep speaking that you're healed and you will hear the difference in your body. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive that. Well, there's just so much happening. You know, you even go to talking about the Word of God and, and it builds faith. Just talking about it. I believe some of your faith has been quickened tonight and people are receiving. There's a lot of good things happening. There's people here that your lower back has been bothering you and you've been having pain. God just spoke to me that lower backs are being healed. People that have had pain in that lower back. If that's you, if you've got pain with your lower back, I want you to stand and raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. Here's this brother in the back. Man, you had everything wrong with you, praise God. He needs an overall. He's getting it. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Praise God. Father, for all of these that are standing with their hands up, thank you that you have healed these backs. Thank you, Father, that whatever has caused this, that you've already provided healing. And now, in the name of Jesus, I just loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the healing power. Backs, you be healed now in Jesus' name. I command pain to be gone damage to be gone, any vertebrae that have been damaged, any muscles that have been pulled. I loose the healing power of God to flow through these backs and pain you be gone. Now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Right there is the anointing of God. And there's your pain leaving you. There's pain leaving people right now. You can begin to move and do things that you weren't able to do. And you'll see that you're, di you're different. God has set you free. There's the anointing of God. There's some of you that the pain is diminished. It's not totally gone. But you can tell the difference. There's the anointing of God touching you. And it'll be a brief period of time. You'll see that back completely healed. Father, we thank you. And we receive these miracles now in Jesus' name. How many of you in here have already seen a difference in your back? And here's a couple over here, three, four, five, six, seven. Man, there's a couple of dozen people, lots of people. God didn't just touch some of you, He touched all of you. Even if you haven't felt the difference, the healing power of God is in you. And I believe it is manifesting itself in the name of Jesus. Father, we receive that. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, these are great miracles. Great miracles. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody here has got a problem that you just can't eat hardly anything without getting sick at your stomach and throwing it up. I don't know what that is. There's probably some name for that. But anyway, people in here that have problems eating things, it makes you sick and you throw it up. I guess that could be somebody with uh, bulimia. Maybe you do it intentionally or whatever, but whatever it is, if you get sick and throw things up, who's that? Here's a woman over here. Anybody else? Here's one over here. Anybody else? If that's you, here's a person over here. Father, right now, whatever's causing this problem, we just rebuke this in Jesus' name. 
We command this problem to leave for this getting sick through eating food. We command that to stop. I believe that allergies or whatever is wrong, whatever has damaged their body, we release your healing to flow through their body right now. And Father, I thank you that you are fixing it so that they can eat. Eat things that are good for them and it'll stay down and their body will accept it. I just speak freedom from that problem now in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you that this is broken over them in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. I believe that you're healed of that. Amen. Now go eat something that's good for you. Don't eat junk, but eat something that's good for you. And I believe you'll be able to keep it down in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Well, it looks like everybody who wants prayer is getting prayer. So I'll dismiss you. Praise God. I believe that God has touched a lot of people's lives here tonight. Remember that we have the services, two services tomorrow, and we have that meeting about our Bible college tomorrow afternoon. I encourage you to come back. Remember to get the CDs, the DVDs. Remember ambassadors to the nations out there, all of our product. God bless you. You're dismissed. Amen.